Hey guys, how's it going? Sam here from Digital Night Presents. We're over in Melbourne doing a few podcasts with crew over here. Got Nick here with me. We are in Melbourne. We are in Melbourne. Beautiful, chilly Melbourne. Um, and we sat down this afternoon with Dane Langwilton of The Arrest. He's a designer and a creative thinker. And we had an interesting chat about art and what that means in 2018. And, and many, many other things. You know, I think we could have sat down with Dane for about five hours. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Part, part two is coming. I really hope you enjoyed this one, guys. Uh, we, had, we had a good time here in Melbourne with uh, Dane Lang Wilson. How are you, man? Good, good. How are you guys doing? Mm. Sick. Good, man. It's been a while since we caught up. How long ago was it? Was uh, it would last? Have been a few years, years ago. ago. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think so. Got off for dinner and Cause you were chat. D- and you were talking about Keystone then. Like that was kind of yeah. the, the early sort of... Well, it wasn't even that early. You were sort of into it then, weren't you? It would have been, yeah, midway through. Well, now because mm-hmm. it's, it's almost at fruition. Initial sketch... For Keystone, which okay. is the lighting object that I've been working on for now since I was like the concept emerged or the, the sketch emerged in 2014 when I was mm-hmm. still studying at, at uh, Monash, yeah, right. I was studying architecture, and then uh, yeah, from there it was I already had one kid, and then we had a second kid on the way, so I had to kind of put the the skids on the architecture. Oh, okay, <laughs> but when you yeah when you're in that environment and you're being forced to be creative every single day and really wringing yourself out, it yeah. was you know, I really had all this kind of latent energy that had to go into something else. And mm-hmm. so Keystone became the project that really took up all that energy. And then... Because um, it wasn't really related to anything you were doing at... No, it wasn't. No, it was just, yeah, just it was kind of a bit of a, a sculptural kind of form okay. exploration type thing that eventually, the more I kind of played with it at home, realised yeah. that maybe this object's going to be... Okay. You know, the thing that I want to do in terms so what's, of so what's Keystone exactly? Oh, it's a it's it. a uh, piece of cast concrete. Well, it's yeah. a cast concrete light. Mm-hmm. So it's a single piece. It's quite it's a really complicated thing to explain. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like, just imagine a, a, a an object with a cast concrete object stands about three hundred and thirty three mil high, yeah. um, and it's a circle mm-hmm. that's a hundred and ten or one hundred and eleven mil mm-hmm. um, in diameter. Yeah, and so you've got this kind of column, and then there's an internal void that's mm-hmm. a column and mm-hmm. then that the leds are shining inside that space mm-hmm. and then the light is you know kind of released through the front of it so it has a kind of ambient okay so it's a, there's like a slit down the front exactly yeah, yeah that's okay. right yeah oh, cool. yeah, yeah so it's kind of modernist minimalist i mm-hmm. suppose and yep. it's kind of aesthetic and then brutalist you know kind of playing with mm. material just rawness so uh, nice, listening nice. to the modernist did, podcast did you, did you right. go, yeah i did yeah yeah it's good yeah <laughs> really interesting it's not something that i knew about yeah. really yeah. like i mean that that whole movement yeah and then walking around I was in Sydney two weeks ago and there's heaps of it there and it's sort of like you start looking in a different light because there's a few buildings yeah. in Adelaide like the ABC building which we talked about and that which yeah. it's kind of an eyesore especially because it's not around other buildings it just sits by itself mm-hmm. and like yeah. you drive past and you're kind of like what, what the hell is that thing Yeah. then you start looking in a different light like you know knowing sort of what it's about and how it's built and yeah well I mean often that's the way anyway with, yeah, with sure. art or architecture isn't it mm. that you know people will look at a work of art and be like oh that fucking especially you say something like abstract expressionism you know Jackson sure. Pollock where it's just yeah. you know, it's been sprayed on a canvas it looks like anyone can do it but yeah. what's what makes that work important is what preceded it yeah definitely mm. and so pop yeah. art and kind of Warhol and the stuff then why pop art was so important was mm. what preceded that and kind mm. of yeah. pure modernism Barnett Newman and uh, what that was Barnett it? Newman and reaction like to mm. exactly that's right yeah mm. and so brutalism really was it was kind of rejection you know the kind of modernist ideal of you know getting rid of ornament yeah but um in terms of material it just comes from our bet and brew which is kind of means raw concrete and that was yeah and then you end up with this you know how do we express space and kind of form Mm. in terms of rawness and material and it's funny that it did end up actually kind of quite brutal in terms of you know the way it was you know manifest yeah Yeah, Mm. absolutely yeah yeah. it has has its own beauty though yeah i think that's, that's the same as web design so we started like when the first iphone came out yeah everything had like bevels and shadows and textures yeah. and now we've kind of gone back to flat design you know yeah. just clean flat i think that's kind of similar right with with buildings and you know yeah yeah you know, other designs too well i mean the the apple series is incredible even you know that's a homage to there was a designer dita rams mm-hmm. if you know that mm-hmm. sure. pretty much, or, you know all of that stuff was yeah. just a, a revamp which a lot of people didn't realize and i think that's that's kind of interesting when you look at how similar Data Ram's transistor radio was to yeah, sure, yeah, sure. The, the the iPod. Uh-huh, it's, uh-huh. it's remarkable, yeah, you know. Yeah. And you kind of you know there's the there's doing an homage and mm. there's being kind of influenced by. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's what <laughs> happened. It, it kind of goes in cycles as well. I think I was yeah, watching sure. um, the new comedians in cars with coffee and they, oh yeah, haven't haven't checked it out. Yeah, the yeah. Chappelle one, but he had um, 
Jerry had like a, it was a Citroen, but it had a Maserati engine in it. Mm. It was 1972. Mm. And it was sort of super modernist kind of like concept car. But it was really interesting. Like a, super futuristic. But it, looked, time. it still yeah, looks word. futuristic. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's got that weird kind of, it's like the, the vision of the future from 1972. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't look like 1970. Blade Runner kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. 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 Mm. Yep. yeah. It had like it had like half of the like like the back wheel kind of half covered by the like the body of the car. Ah, nice. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's a, cool. yeah that's that's actually really interesting, and that's how I think I, with my work I'm interested in kind of you know kind of aesthetic speculation anyway. That mm-hmm. you every generation you look back to the 1900s and what they thought would be happening now to be it was all propeller driven kind of sure. you know hot air balloons moving mm-hmm. around yeah, the city, yeah. and every every generation makes a crack at kind mm-hmm. of looking a hundred years in the future, mm-hmm. but um. A lot of that is around um, industrial design and mm. say you know motor vehicles and uh, trains and planes and, and sure. you know what you know maybe even rockets and that type of stuff. Mm. But uh, I think it's interesting to have a look at in terms of um, the design objects that we use day to day and come in contact with and and ones that tend to be um, like a they're a crystallization of some of the sensibilities of that day or just you know they're you know we're talking about modernism and the sure. way that then the, the kind of the the temporal kind of context then mm-hmm. squeezes that in a new way and mm. that's not necessarily something that is um kind of planned but i think for you know looking into the future stuff i think mm. it's it's easy to kind of extrapolate you know with what we've got here and try and assume that it's going to be something similar sure mm. And I think what's really nice, and I think it's um, like the new Blade Runner movie yeah. and things like that, they really, you know, there's a sense of, you know, there's, it's dystopian obviously, but whether sure. it's dystopian or utopian, there's this idea that what's the, th- this is the bit that it, um, interests me anyways, the kind of the thread that, that goes through that, through from say like Deco, yeah. there's definitely kind of Deco mm. echoes yeah, yeah. that end up in sure. these kind of new Blade Runner films. Mm-hmm. And so what is it? when I look at what inspires me yeah. and what is, you know, what's at the core of what kind of inspires me, how do I then kind of manipulate that and try and turn it out into a space that may be somewhere kind of, you know, 50 mm. to 100 years in the future. So. Mm-hmm. That, um, I, Nick asked me to watch Her the other day. I hadn't seen it before. Have you seen that? Oh, I haven't, no. Spike no. Mm. So that's, yeah, same, set in the future, but then like fashion and architecture is sort of a throwback to the 70s. So mm. everyone's kind of wearing high pants and like a very, you know, like... Uh, Stripy like mustard colored yeah. shirts and stuff yeah, like so that. But then it's, it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's that kind of like a, yeah. I think there's, there's no reason things things do kind of move in mm. cycles mm. and and people pick up from certain mm. elements. So yeah, you don't know how it's gonna mm. look or feel. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And so how does it? You know, it's that you know the kind of almost the corkscrew. You revisit things at a kind of higher mm. level almost every yeah. time you come around. But you'd hope that it every generation can really put something kind of yeah Yeah. extra on top of it that you are revisiting it at a kind of Mm -hmm. higher echelon not this kind of you know coming back over the same stuff and that's i think it's important in terms of appreciation but also for creation as well if you know as an artist if you know kind of art history you'll understand why that work in a gallery is important Mm -hmm. but you know in terms of uh just being a punter going into a gallery or something like that it can be a bit you know like why is that important and that's i think as designers and as artists, it's really important as well to have some sense of that history as well. So mm-hmm. you know what you're kind of drawing from. Sure. You know, you know, came from and what, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then like. you know kind of where it's owned mm-hmm. to as well, to yeah. manipulation and. Hmm. What, I mean, I don't know how deep you are into it, but in the industrial design world at the moment, like, mm. I feel like you never sort of know you're in a movement. Like you look back in the, you know, yeah. so the those movements in the early 20th century, like Bauhaus yeah. or Deco. Absolutely. They, they were sort of movements that, you know, it was obviously a smaller world then, but like, yeah. you, you know, there was a center in France and there was, you know, the, there was people that were there, you know, in you know, surrealism or whatever, but for sure. what's, what's happening now? Is that, is that, is everything has become sort of homogenized yeah, and polarized and fragmented? It's interesting that, isn't it? That I think back then there was a real, there was a sense of having a group of people that kind of thought the same and they would write a manifesto. Yeah. So you get, yeah, a lot right. of these movements mm-hmm. had their manifesto and kind of outlined their, their general, the rules almost for, for their expression and sure. the way they were going to do things. Mm. But um, <clears throat> nowadays I think in terms of movements, I'm sure that, you know, there, there obviously are collectives, but I think it's, maybe it's become so kind of atomized nowadays that it's hard for 
you know, with everybody back then, it was probably quite clicky as well. You yeah. have, you know, and there wasn't those lines of communication. So, right, like, exactly. you would yeah. travel to, you know, wherever it was, Germany or, or France, and 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 sort of go there to be with the yeah the epicenter of what was happening. Well, that's Even exactly like right. New York in the sixties, or you know, San Francisco in the sixties, like, like those kind of epicenters where mm. you you need to go there. Whereas yeah. now it's you just pick up your. Yeah, and the, you, in, mm. in those spaces, they build this critical mass, and then there's something about that critical mass that you know manifests something with a particular kind of style mm. or, or ethos or something yeah, behind yeah. it. Um, yeah. How much do you think like tools dictate like the art style of a generation? So like, so like maybe you know, in the yeah, past, the, you know, all the things like building, especially everything was kind of mm. hand, like not hand drawn, but like hand sculpted. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like now, you know, like th- things are like using machines, you know, machined. Yeah. Kind of you know objects things like that yeah. i mean for me personally i think that really exceptional objects nowadays mm-hmm. come from exceptional process mm-hmm. so you look at mid-century furniture it was beautiful you know it was alva alto and and the likes that did incredible yeah. you know s- Eames, yeah. yeah yeah that's right yeah, yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that um I mean, the Eames chair, looking at that's incredible because of its what it represents in terms of steam bending um, ply. Sure. It just yeah. hadn't been done sure, back sure. then. So there's, mm. it's a really interesting, mm. there's an interesting doco on the Eames studio yeah, cool. um, on Charles and Ray Eames. It's worth yeah. looking up. I can't remember the name of it. Is that, um, is that the brand or is that the style of chair, Eames? Uh, so Eames were the designers. So oh, okay. the Charles name, name Eames the and Ray Eames, okay. his wife. And yeah. so they, they started a studio yeah. and it was you know super influential, influential okay. back in the day. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, me and, me and Sam were just saying, like, is Eames, like, is there fake Eames or is there real Eames? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, there's there's obviously Eames chairs that have been developed for the um, for the estate, let's say. Oh, okay. And then there's there's rip-offs everywhere. Yeah. And that's actually a really interesting thing being in the design world as well, is sure. the, the kind of the replica market and design in terms of intellectual property is really, it's a really tricky kind of grey area to be working between. So mm-hmm. Super murky. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, looking at IP and securing that within Australia, Australia is kind of one of the worst in the world in terms of protecting designers for for what they, you know, kind of invest. Tech as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's the same for tech, is it? Yeah. Mm. And it's frustrating then when I suppose something becomes, you know, a pop culture, you know, like a Beats by Dre or, you know, and then it just becomes the the function is secondary to the the aesthetic of it. Like, I just want the headphones because they look... They look cool. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, obviously, with a pair of headphones, it's about the sound. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a real or, issue. Or with the chair, it's, it's the, you know, it may not be the comfortableness of the other, you know, but it, the, that's not Just the look of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that was, that's cool. where uh, chairs like that, Eames, they did a lot of research into, like, yeah. the way people sat. They'd mm-hmm. have a kind of set up a camera and they get people eating breakfast, but a bowl okay. of cereal out <laughs> of playing cards. Yeah, and yeah, they, sure. you know, they really did yeah, the, sure, the yeah. movement. put the work in. And so the difference between a chair like that and a chair that's just replicating. You know, the the actual the style putting yeah, a design. veneer of style over something yeah, over sure. the the utility, which is say let's say the kind of the comfortable place to sit. Yeah, yeah. If it does that poorly, then you end up with it's you know the, the utility is kind of substandard, and then the aesthetic is just this veneer of style over the top of yeah. something, and it's you know kind of borrowing. Mm. And a lot of times, they don't do the smaller bits and pieces no, that sure. make it the original as well. So we did a um we built an app for uh, like a food company in SA um, oh, yeah. Azirus, but it was, it, was, it was built for the chinese market about sort of traceability of food ah. the the counterfeit market in china i mean obviously we know there's a big counterfeit market mm. there but i didn't realize how deep it went with food like especially food um but it's just it's incredible mm. i think like 40 to 50 percent of everything on the shelf is not what it states yeah, to be trademarkings like, really yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts there i was watching like this documentary and like the chinese like um counterfeiters of beef they wow. get they get rat meat, and they mix it with tissues, and they <laughs> and, and they dye it red. What? Yeah. Really? what? Yeah. Damn, that's yeah. crazy. That's untidy. That's pretty gross. Yeah. Which is yeah. quite which is why there's this, especially in the Chinese sort of middle class, this like, you know, they they want premium things that they know are yeah. the, what they stay on the package. Yeah. Because they don't want to be eating tissue. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's really interesting <laughs> sure. for design as well. I yeah. think there's a. Uh, I was talking. I was uh, it was an at an IP conference and I was talking to one of the uh, the speakers there and they were saying that yeah it's, there's a real in that especially that middle class it's massive market mm. they really want the unique one off stuff yeah that's right the previous generation were all about getting Louis Vuitton and you know that's why the counterfeit market went through the roof because they could get that label sure mm. and get it cheap yep but the deal is now is how can I get that that pair of you know like kind of you know one of ten gold Kanye kicks whatever mm. they are you know mm. like yeah so yeah, I was reading about um, like in Perth Dane's from Perth originally but um, mm. the 
they put in Louis and Gucci and they put in all those luxury stores that, you know, it's just a lure because, yeah. you know, the, that, that market wants to come and it's seen as it's going to be more authentic to buy it from Word. the yep. West than, mm. you know, what's probably going to be counterfeit yeah. locally. I think there was, um, what was that brand? It's called like Bathing Ape. Do you remember that brand? No. You yeah. Okay. I think it was, um, um, what's his name? Um, Pharrell Williams. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it was his brand, but it was ripped off like so much by like the counter market. I mean, yeah. counter kind of fit market so much that kind of just killed the brand yeah is that right yeah, wow. yeah. there was, there was yeah there was like shoes fake shoes fake jumpers which is everywhere yeah. just when the height when it, you blow up so quickly there's yeah. enough time for you to actually bank enough yeah, revenue exactly. to kind of keep yeah, things no, going it, just, it yeah. just yeah it killed it I don't know if this is true but someone was saying there was like a, a Spanish I think it was a car manufacturer but they basically they reverse engineered like plant drawings from Spain so they'd taken the, the you know the, the drawings for the whole factory and built the factory in China before they had stuff operational that in right? Spain. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, yeah, what they'll do a lot incredible. with design objects, they'll just, they'll say, look at, they'll find a, so let's say like a, a cabinet, mm. which looks really nice. They'll just take the pictures off the, the designer's website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll put that up on Alibaba, say like, you know, this much for per unit, mm-hmm. minimum orders 300. And then as soon as they get the 300 orders, they mm. get like a minimum order. Mm, sure. Then they've justified like, you know, putting the effort in to counterfeit it. So they'll yeah. just find photos and go like, I think we can make that find some of the orders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, wow. it's incredible. So, Have so you heard about that uh, drop shipping? No. Nah. So there's this whole, um, it's like e-commerce basically. There's heaps of people making shitloads of money doing the same thing. So you set yeah. up a quick Shopify website. Yep. You go to Alibaba, you find a bunch of products. Oh, yeah. You yeah, basically yeah. just okay. advertise them, get the order, push it through Alibaba. So like there's no stocks. Mm. Like watch, Alibaba happens, ship it for you. watches a lot. So people mm. just put all their money into like Instagram marketing. Yeah. And then... Everything just goes straight through Alibaba. Mm. There's no, you know, you don't have to Is that be right? sitting somewhere mm. and you don't even have to ever look at the stock ever. Mm. And there's Epic, massive margins, like, 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 <laughs> like 50 cent, maybe $1, $2 watches mm-hmm. that have been marketed for 50 bucks. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, that's amazing. People making lots and lots of money. Mm. I've seen on Instagram, it's just like all yeah, you pay is postage. Yeah, that's right. Type of thing. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah that's it. Yeah. Incredible. It's, uh, yeah, it's a brave new world. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, that's, you know, <sighs> I think even China in terms of the, the big manufacturers there and even the government, they're trying to move away from that mm. a bit as well. I think they know that they've been kind of tainted or not even tainted, but, you know, they've been brushed with that. You know, everything that comes out of China is kind of low quality and all the rest of it. And that's where, because they've got the ability to mass produce things, I think as a designer locally, mm-hmm. we're going back to talking about exceptional process, making exceptional objects. Sure. If you can utilise some of the stuff that's that's emerging now that is very good quality in terms mm. of, you know, like we use a 3D printer yep. in the studio a lot and get a lot of stuff laser cut. Even within that, there's some, you know, 3D printing's pretty ubiquitous now, but there's sure. obviously good quality printers and there's poor quality printers. Mm. And depending on what you're going to do, you'll be able to kind of, you know, make something that'll work for you. But um, looking at some of the, the cutting edge stuff, like the the seven axis CNC and there's, object, you know, robotic arms that have got basically a router head mm-hmm. and they can chew out all sorts of stuff out yeah. of timber and even stone oh, yeah. and right. water cutting. Mm-hmm. There's a, if you start to, if you get savvy with those processes, I mean, they're not particularly new, a lot of them, but if you get savvy with them, you can kind of, you allow yourself in the mental toolbox to then start, you know, when you come up with an idea or something, you know, things start to move in exceptional sure. spaces mm-hmm. rather than, Let's say you think about making a chair out of timber. Yeah, there's been a lot of good chairs made out of timber over the yeah. over the millennia. Mm-hmm. What does it mean now when you say, okay, well, I'm going to work with timber? What does it mean when you start to say, okay, I'm going to use some of these computational design methods and then sure. realize those with a brand new bit of tech? You know, that's that's where it really is, and that's the stuff. That's where you can beat, I think, the counterfeit market as well, is because exceptional processes are generally expensive in terms of time, money investment Very which makes them minute. perfect yeah, for right. like this is really and i think the paradigm shifting and this where like i you know i'm really comfortable with where i'm at it's a lot of you know it's a hard hustle but now that you have 3d printing and, and access to these tech these bits of tech in terms of manufacturing that isn't that expensive before to develop a project like keystone it probably would have it would have had to been backed by a, a company so it would have been an employee for the company and said like, hey, this is a you know, working designer, say this is the thing, this is Keystone, I think if we can make it work. They would have to kind of look at it on the paper and look at it in terms of what they th- whether they think it's marketable or profitable. Sure. Whereas now I can do it at a small scale, the paradigm shifted, I've got this equipment in my studio mm-hmm. myself and yeah. so now I can iterate and play and you know, wear the kind of the, 
the pressure of, mm-hmm. of making something and it becomes you know it's a far more intimate process then yeah. as well and you know the, the development the iterative development of the of the object as you go along is um, it's, it's exciting that, but mm-hmm. and that just opens doors the, the workshop we're going to tomorrow is like a design thinking workshop so very oh, much okay. around that you know yeah. about, about human-centered design and, yep. and, and focusing on you know solving problems and iterating to, to get there and, and not focusing on what the end goal is now yep but the process that oh hmm. it's i mean for me that's it it's a you know process driven design in terms of allowing things to change and being really present in that not trying to find the shortest point from yeah. concept to realization but really letting that happen and, and be really um, involved in that process because i think for me anyway and i'm not sure if it works the same with, with digital design but there's a lot i mean i imagine it would it's kind of universal to design in general but mm-hmm. when you spend a lot of time with one part you realize that one part of that you know you have these multiple parts that are kind of coming together to make mm-hmm. this this thing multiple parts of that might need to be removed but they're perfect for another project yeah that's and right so something becomes and you put that through the lens of the the next concept mm-hmm. and that becomes you know they become ideal and even mm. you know there's this sense of the i don't know like what the bacteria or the the ones that you know it's like sure. kind of splitting Just, apart and mm, new, yeah, new no. things grow yeah, completely yeah. independent of the original idea mm, but mm-hmm. yeah that's i think if you i think a lot of that as designers a lot of that's lost in terms of object design as well is outsourcing yeah. everything sure mm. And I think Eames said something along the lines of um, never outsource understanding. It's something like that. I don't think okay. that's very yeah. good that's um, paraphrasing. But, but it's the, you know, the hardest thing. We've like looking back at the, the tech industry and you know, obviously everything's outsourced. But the, yeah. the one thing that the, the biggest sort of deficit when you outsource is losing understanding. Yeah. And especially the understanding of, I suppose, the, the high level logic of what it is you're doing in the first place, right? It's yeah. very easy to copy something. Absolutely. But it's not easy to copy the soul of the thing that you were trying to do in the first place. You know what yeah. I mean? Like mm. it just, that, that gets, like, I don't care what I'm doing, I'm just copying. Yeah. But something is always lacking mm. when you do that. Yeah, mm. that idea that you can, you can take make a it look, better. But you can't take a vision, yeah. you know? And it's, yeah. you know, it's with, with software, that might turn out to be like, the thing doesn't work because it's just a, <laughs> you know, it's just a facade of, of what mm. it should be. But yeah. the actual logic behind the whole project is, is missing, which. Yeah. I've seen happen mm-hmm. firsthand, which isn't fun. <laughs> what's, yeah. um, what's the scale of like printing in 3D now? Like, how how big can you? Well, print, I mean, it's going, going the whole way up to houses yeah. now. Yeah, it just depends yeah. on on. I heard what, about that. Yeah, yeah, the traditional scale, you know, obviously is uh, well. I suppose now it's it's across so many different um, facets. But you've got mm. there's the ability to print now in. Um, precious metals so being oh, able wow. to go down you know and really? jewellery just print the actual piece of jewellery so, so it, melts the, it melts the metal down yeah, and then right. prints yeah, it yeah, out yeah you can print oh, it wow. in silver and then, and then like it just cools it rapidly when it's there's, a, there's a number of different ways I think with the silver and the gold they'll I think they uh, use it as a powder Oh wow! Okay. And then it, it's laser sintered, yeah. so it oh, kind of melts it. Yeah, like, yeah. After um, it's kind of like powdered. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's so the powder will be hit by a, a um, laser, yeah. and that melts it, and then it fuses it to the, oh, the wow. other stuff. That's just yeah, yeah. So, okay, yeah, so that yeah. I mean that that can apply to housing, right? So you print print the frame in in, in metal. Well, housing slightly different. So that instead okay. of laser sintering, which I think mm-hmm. it's called laser sintering, I can't remember the actual um, um, short term for mm-hmm. the for that type of printing, but um, what the way they would do houses is what is and it's a printer that I've got is an FDM printer which is fused deposition modeling okay and basically that's just like imagine you have a printer a regular printer that prints you know kind of back and forward on mm-hmm. the, the x and y yeah, on yeah. the xy axis yep. imagine you have a hot glue gun mm-hmm. that does that on the xy and then the bed on my model yep. the bed just moves down a little bit ah, okay but for doing a house yep. it would probably it would you have a It'd concrete to, gun yeah, and sure. it goes it can it can cover a certain amount of space depending on what type of rails they're using or yeah. even if it's an arm that can move out uh-huh. and they'll just print one course and yep. then they'll come back around they'll move move the arm up a little bit yep. and then come back around and right. so it's oh, yeah wow. they're pretty much just sque- squeezing out kind yep. of concrete into Jeez. these forms oh, yeah. wow. so 3d printing's um yeah, it's a remarkable tech. Mm. Um, there's a lot that it can do in the future as well. And in terms of, um, I know in the space station they use it there for. Yeah, I was yeah I was I was just about to bring that up. Space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's great because yeah. you know obviously they can just then just send the digital files up. And yeah, exactly. Print them. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a remarkable tech. Space and in time. terms of iterative design, it's mm-hmm. it's amazing because it allows you to to make those mistakes faster rather than having to send it off and mm. wait two weeks for this part to come back exactly. that you know is busted yeah, yeah. You, would, you know you find out it doesn't fit the fit the requirements uh-huh. with a printer in studio we can just leave it running mm-hmm. and it's you find out really quickly some of the parts take hours some of the parts take you know 40 hours yeah, plus okay. to yeah. print but for a lot of the depends small on the quality stuff, right you can, you can yeah exactly the quality, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yep. f- and for the most part 
what I'm using the the printer for in the studio is to make things. Mm-hmm. I should say making components of the the cast casting process. Mm-hmm. So I'm not necessarily making things that need to be um, pretty per se. Mm-hmm. They just need to be kind of functional okay. and have the right dimensions. So oh. Oh. yeah, it's an interesting space to work across. But um, I mean, what I find, what I'm interested to find out in terms of being a designer with this, we're going, we we're talking about this earlier about um, mm. user experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. And how that works because that's really pivotal to what you guys do yeah extremely pivotal yeah 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 and that's uh, and it seems like it's really buried in the utility yeah but what i'm interested in maybe to hear from you guys is that where when i go into a gallery mm-hmm. i'm thinking of art in terms of user experience as well but yep. how do you guys how do you go with kind of where does aesthetics get to fit in with what you guys do is it is it kind of that veneer that that sits over the top of the the um it yeah, is, the function. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think it's interesting for your journey though, Nick. So Nick, mm. not classically trained designer, yeah. just kind of came in. You're in yeah, my, my savant. <laughs> not really. <laughs> no, my, my, my background's more in like, I started in finance. Oh, yeah. I had yeah. my like, degree that I learned and then I got into marketing and then I kind of went back to like drawing. So I, I just like art. Yeah. And then that kind of came back to marketing again. And then, yeah, that's how I ended but up But I here. think well, when you got into Correct me if I'm wrong, but when you got into like UI UX design, so mm-hmm. you sort of started in apps and then, and then web, mm-hmm. like you were very much about the the aesthetic, right? You did, probably yeah, didn't care sure. so much about the the actual user experience, like yep. thinking about what that flow would be. It was yeah. more about I would just making I'll, it look cool. Yeah, I would I would mm. like just get off and just design the button. It's like, oh, this button's slightly raised, <laughs> yeah, raised nice. off the canvas. So I think, yeah, think yeah, yeah. Like that, yeah. And yeah. I think, and we've we've been talking about this in the studio a bit lately. That some of the frustrating thing is that um, I'm working on a, some UI UX for a like a it's a back-end tool that they're using in mining, right? It's quite okay. boring. And, and they don't, they do not care about the, they don't care about the, the facade of the user experience, really. Yeah. They, they just want it to work and they want it done. Yeah. And that's, that's all they care about. Mm-hmm. And in between there, I think that oftentimes, if you, if you look back to those flash sites of kind of like Web 2.0, so yeah. mid-2000s, they were really cool, but impossible to navigate. Like they were very, you know, yeah. it, it, it was a form of a function for sure. This, the websites that actually have really good conversion rates and they're, they're quite boring, I suppose. Mm. Or they're, 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 they're very... Just, you know, they're, just like a big buy, buy yeah, button. Yeah, they're, they're built to get, capture people with short attention spans attention. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yep. And people generally browsing aren't looking for art. They're looking for you know, where that button is. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. That's, and I mean, I wonder whether there's... Is there room for that kind of gallery-esque or I suppose it's about defining the digital space then in terms of you know what you're going through I was actually just going to say before I think like we're probably in a a bit of a frustrating space now because we know we're we're essentially just doing work commercially so we often don't have that liberty to say well let's let's create something new let's let's create Mm. a new way of uh, navigating this experience whatever it might be it's sort of you know you know, we, we stress that we don't work off templates and we don't, but at the mm. end of the day, like the web has become quite templated. Yeah. And it sort of, it seems to work in five-year cycles where, you know, people stick to a certain vague template and mm. then it sort of moves on to the next one. Yeah. yeah. But varying wildly from that, people get confused and so, mm. but you'll find stuff, you know, and sadly it's not the work we're doing, but, you know, some of the bigger brands will launch sub campaigns or things like that. Yeah. Okay. Fashion especially. Yeah. And then it yeah, probably, you know, around, around, Design and uh, mm. things like that. Mm. You'll see, you know, sites that I suppose are trying to be, you know, break the mold and do something interesting. Yeah. What happened to music on websites? Remember, like, yeah. you, like the landing page <laughs> and have music playing. Yeah. I've still got a uh, site I did in two thousand ntsk dot com. Yeah, it's got like yeah. a, a two pack. One uh, of the MIDI file, just like, oh, like just all eyes on me. It's yeah. like <laughs> MySpace and High Five. That was, that was a long time before MySpace, yeah. but. Yeah, yeah that, that kind of died. Yeah. The, the whole um, it's yeah. interesting, like that multimedia experience. Yeah, that, you know, when CD-ROMs came in, and that yeah. was like it was all about multimedia. Wow, yeah, multimedia. But that's kind of dropped back as well. Mm. It's, it's, it's become quite um, just stripped back. And we, I mean, we talk mm. about wanting to make things simple again. Because you know, people are on their phones; they don't have the time. Yeah, so the whole experience has become kind of utilitarian. Mm. Just, mm. Uh, yeah, I think the main the main thing is like people have less patience than they used to be, especially sure. when visiting websites. You know, if they get annoyed, they'll just leave your website like, instantly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that. Yeah, it's. I mean, I notice with my browsing anyway. It's mm. you know, if 
often like I mean I used to and maybe it's just a phase I'm in now but I don't mm-hmm. watch a lot of long format video now yeah, I yeah. watch a bit of Netflix and, and some YouTube stuff but mm-hmm. if usually the time I'm checking the bar to be mm-hmm. like how long does this video go for if it's, mm-hmm. it's gone for ages it's about yeah. two minutes okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've just yeah. noticed I'm like wow I've, like even just my habits have changed where mm-hmm. I'm I want it to be kind of compressed into a two-minute mark. Mm-hmm. And so if, sure. the, if a website, if you make it this jungle of kind of aesthetic yeah. mis- mystery and they have yeah. to work their way through this <laughs> you know, this jungle to get to the thing that they're yeah, trying to sure. find. But then if it's something, so more like that gallery experience, we're looking at a, a new project that we're pitching for and it's, it's more sort of an infographic for, say, a product that's being released or mm. an experience that, that's out there. So it is some, it's, it's like a gallery. We're sending you here to have an experience yeah. as opposed to, you're quickly browsing, trying to find a, where the restaurant is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Or you yeah. know, looking to you know, using some sort of application that's taking you somewhere. It's actually I'm going there to look at things. But I, I think people do mm. that less and less. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I went, we, I went to the Sydney Art Gallery the other week when I was there. I'd never been before. Mm. It's incredible. It was you know such a good experience. Oh, for sure. And it's just that experience of you know I didn't look at that much. I went to a couple of rooms of just like stopping and looking, taking the time to that's be like, the key. Wow, yeah. this mm. is uh, you know, this is incredible. Mm. Yeah, someone's taking a lot of time and effort to to do this and that you know i don't even know the history behind some of the artists yeah you can imagine there's a huge history there and that and, but it's uh, yeah it's it's nice to mm. sort of stop and smell what, the roses what about the um, that thing in tassie the human poop machine on mona at mona yeah, yeah. That, yeah, I haven't. I've never awesome. been down there. Yeah, I'd love to go and have a look. Like Mona was one of the better. That is real gallery art. experiences. I think. Yeah. As, as as a whole, as a gallery, like mm. the gallery is the is is the thing. Right? Mm. The experience, the whole experience is the. As opposed to the going to see one piece of art. Yeah, mm. I've never been, and I think they do. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't have any of the plaques with the the artist name or anything like that. No, they mm. they, they have like a, you an can, app or a thing. Yeah, yeah. which yes. I think is perfect. Oh, I actually think it's better. Oh, yeah, sure. do, do you like yeah. kind of scan with your like your phone camera? Or? Oh, you can go up and it, like there's an audio thing. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they give you a little old iPod touch, and oh. but yeah, there's nothing on the wall. Because mm. I think that's you know that's really important as well. A lot of people go into a a gallery and. Oh, maybe, that's a maybe, Monet, yeah, yeah, or yeah. feel like they don't get it yeah, even yeah, to yeah. see like a Pollock and be like, so what? So what? I can mm, do it. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, okay. Well, it's kind yeah. of like footy as well. It's that thing where yeah, you kick know, the you, ball really far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you can watch, if you watch yeah. football, and you might have a particular, you know, uh, an understanding of it. But yeah. someone who's a diehard and understands mm. why that play was particularly good or why mm. that player should come off, you know, the, those nuances. The same yeah. with art. You know, you can have a very vague understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and have a certain experience, then have a deeper understanding of it and have a whole another experience of a gallery mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that gets lost for most people is that they forget that the primary experience is an aesthetic one. It's not about kind of concepts and history and all the rest sure. of it. Just that immediate experience. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So forget about the names, forget about the rest of it, you know, pull the plaques off mm-hmm. the wall and walk into these spaces and see what happens when you... It's, you know, they're kind of quasi-spiritual, I suppose. I don't know if you guys yeah. ever got down with meditation or anything, but, mm-hmm. you know, sure. when you get to that point when you feel like it's kind of, there's a bit of an unselfing there where everything's dialed back and there seems like you know, that space there is almost the ideal space to go and experience art as well because yeah. you're not trying to compute it, not trying to do too much with it. You're just seeing what feeling you're getting from a particular work of art. And it's good that way as well. It's a kind of non-biased filter. Mm, yeah. Because you're just going to go through and wait until something captures you and actually kind of holds you in that moment where, you know, everything else falls away. It's like mm-hmm. seeing a beautiful sunset or, you know, like a walk out, you go out bush and then you look up at the That's stars the and there's yeah, just sure. this epic, those moments where when you're unselfed, you know, I think it was mm-hmm. a, um, uh, Iris Murdoch. Okay. She said, you know, talked about an unselfing in the presence of something beautiful. And I think that's sure. really like, that's the truest indicator of, of whether a work of art is, you know, good or not. Forget mm-hmm. about the name, forget walking through the Louvre to go see the Mona, Mona Lisa. Yeah. Mm. Like, the, I think what people do is they put a, a preconceived notion of, you know, okay, well, this is a famous piece of art. I have to go see it for some reason. Mm. I'm going to you know, go all the way up to Florence and line up and see David and be like, oh, it's just another naked statue. I see, you know, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that, yeah, that moment of, I, I love it when that happens when you're in a gallery and you look at something and it just makes you feel a certain way and you're like, keep looking and you're like, and it yeah. might, you might, you'll have a completely different yeah. interpretation than what I do, how it mm. speaks to me. Mm. But that that moment there is that, like that kind of attention on the perception. I think is really important as well. People yeah. walk through and go like, "Oh, that's kind of cool. That's cool." If you spend a bit of time with something and keep that chatter quiet yeah. and really try and work out like what it is, what is it that mm. that I actually really dig about? It might mm. be usually it's a relationship between some part to another part, or you know, contrast is often a really big thing. You know, you'll see like that looks amazing because that part isn't like that. You know, and. And I think once you work out 
those type of when you when you allow yourself to kind of educate yourself mm. on your aesthetic preferences yep. the world itself like just going for a walk through the city if yeah, you, you can kind of find those moments just in a piece of trash sitting up against the wall or sure. that broken brick up against this yeah. and i think those i think people are people don't give themselves the credit mm. you know for actually being able to kind of have an aesthetic experience that's that's yeah. quite deep and just in the regular mm. you can go to a gallery and kind of practice it and then come out to the world and kind of be mindful of the aesthetic experience mm. and there's yeah. incredible stuff happening around you every single day you know yeah. uh, unbelievable yeah. things happening yeah. everywhere it's yeah it's mm. beyond beyond amazing but we just walk around richard dawkins has got this incredible quote and it's yeah. um there is an anesthetic of familiarity uh an anesthetic of familiarity a sedative of ordinariness that hmm. hides. Jason uh, butchered this. We'll have to try and get it. Um, <laughs> there's an anesthetic of familiarity, a sedative of ordinariness that something rather and hides the wonder of existence. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what he's no, trying yeah, to say yeah. is that just when we're so used to seeing trees mm. or so used to seeing like a just wonder everywhere. a building. Mm. We just kind of put them all into a category and walk past a, a lot of trees and go trees, grass, yeah. Yeah. car, mm-hmm. art those type of things yeah. it's something as mundane as a pot plant when you stop to look at the way that light plays off it the the materials mm. shadows how it grows from a tiny seed like yeah that's, exactly that's, yeah that's yeah there's a lot to be seen just yeah. in a leaf you yeah. know let alone kind of yeah. you know there's that sense of wonder I, suppose. Mm. I feel like we almost programmed to batch process that stuff as well so oh, you of can course. focus on mm. but yeah. slowing down and just actually contemplating it for a moment it's yeah like, mm. yeah but that's it yeah rather than going into a gallery and I have to see everything. Being, and just kind of going in there and being like, well, I think I'll just be told what's good yep. by mm. the name on the plaque mm. or the way that they kind of funnel you through an exhibition or even just going through a bit vaguely going like, I don't know if this is good, but I think you know, this is one of those experiences I'm mm. supposed to kind of do once yeah. in a while, go to a gallery yeah. rather than mm. really dialing into that, those aesthetics and looking for the, you know, the thing, if there might be just one bit that makes you look at something more than the other and spend that time to work out what it is. Mm. Mm. It's huge. Yeah. It's like that's massive mm-hmm. in terms of appreciation of design mm-hmm. objects day to day and appreciation of art, mm-hmm. which is actually really hard for mm-hmm. artists to just, you know, sure. they create this this thing through the lens of their experience. Mm. And often, you know, we look at it as, I suppose it's commodified yeah. art in general. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, these are, they're kind of, you know, we're talking about that quasi-spiritual experience. These are gateways out of the ordinary kind of into mm into that mindfulness or this, you know, that kind of quiet, that unselfed sure. state. So if mm. you, you know, if we collect these, these works of art and kind of surround ourselves with them. Mm. With yeah. something like Keystone, which you've given, you know, four or five years of, I don't know, longer than that. Mm. Five, yeah. Five, six yeah, yeah, years of your life to sure, yeah. conceptualize in and, and build in and now, you know, now putting out into the world, you know, there's always that thing when you create that, especially the, the artists themselves or the creator looks back and, you know, is very critical of the, the thing that they've done. Yeah. And you end up looking back and thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this now. Yeah. Like, do you see that happening with, with Keystone? Is, this, is, is it just a stepping stone and then you jump to something else? So it's, it's For still, sure. Yeah, still I mean, I've got yeah, notebooks full of the next thing yeah. mm. but because this has been such a... I mean, I picked the, probably the wrong project to start with because <laughs> it's been so intense in terms of iteration. But what, I, what I'm interested to do is kind of keep Keystone going as a, as a you know, limited edition iterative project. Yep. And so because it's a casting project as well, I can use different colors in terms yeah, of sure. you know, casting concrete or mm. resins or there's lots of different ways I can go in terms of embedding yep. and symbology and there's lots of different avenues I can play that out. So instead of really, being like, okay, I'm done with Keystone, I'm moving on to the next thing, it's about like, okay, well, I'm just going to let Keystone evolve on the outside while I kind of you know jump into the next project. And that's, yeah. that thing's going to scale up. That'll be mm-hmm. the, the idea is that I just get to kind of play and then uh, yeah, nice. and share the iterations of the world. Yeah, as, has, as kind of hasn't officially launched yet, has it? It's no, no. Of so it'll be okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah, full moon. We're going oh. for the blood moon. Oh, nice. Yeah, the lunar eclipse. <laughs> nice, yeah. epic. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Have you had much traction yet with it? I really like all the uh, like the marketing efforts you've done. So yeah, far. well, I, I mean, Slick. it's. Uh, I'm just kind of playing at the moment. Yeah. I'm happy to let that happen, kind of organically mm-hmm. as well, sure. and mm-hmm. just you know, kind of finding my feet in terms of content and it's which is quite hard for a for a design studio i mean you guys probably find something similar in terms of how do i balance marketing a sculptural object which is you know kind of to a gallery going art collecting design collecting sure you know kind of crowd Mm. um you know how do you maintain that prestige yeah Mm -hmm. 
in that type of environment without, you know, while still kind of showing the honest side. And I think that's, for me, I think what I'm finding in terms of, because I've had no, I haven't actually worked for another designer. I'm just kind of, you know, carving a niche for myself and finding what's sure. happening. Mm-hmm. I think there might be some room for me to just, you know, kind of do me a little bit yeah, better. Than, yeah, just see what happens, which is kind of nice to be in this stage where there's no real pressure to be anything, but just have a lot of space to kind of grow into and trim mm. stuff back and... I think that's something that we've been working on. Nick and I and Mel, who's head of marketing, like these branding workshops and run through on with you one day. It's sort of just a thing that we've been trying oh, to man. Yeah. Uh, mm. do ourselves because we find that when we like when we work with a client and we, we really get to know them, not not necessarily their business, but them and what their you know, dreams and goals and objectives are yeah. and how they project that onto their business or their brand, whatever that might be. Once we have that deeper understanding initially, like the, our end product, the website or the app or whatever it is, yep. the design is... is you know, it's much truer to their vision because it's very hard for a, you know, someone that isn't design minded or you know artistically minded to come into a design firm and say, well, this is what I want, and you know, they might have color schemes and like blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah. But um, yeah, going through this process of you know looking at images and uh, going through um, you know, like abstracting, I suppose, you know, what mm. is what is the arrest? Who is the arrest? You Trying know? to crystallize it down into something yeah. that you can mm. then yeah kind of work off. Yeah. yeah, absolutely for sure. And I mean, the arrest for me is very much. A lot of designers that are working in this kind of realm are under their own name. Sure. So they'll have their name and then they kind of go from there yeah. and build up a, a brand around themselves. Hmm. But I think studying architecture, that never really... Um, the reason it didn't appeal is obviously because I have you know plans to expand and I wanted, sure. wanted it to be the people that came in and kind of worked with me were working with me, not... As a collective, Forming, I do, no, you yeah, know, sure. there's a lot of you know, you get star architects, mm-hmm. the, you know, so like Bianca Ingalls is okay. doing incredible work, but people are like that's a Bianca Ingalls building, and like you know, that was yeah. that was big, but it's bigger than Bianca Ingalls. There's you know, he has hundreds of people working on these projects, not mm-hmm. to mention kind of the construction side, just the design phase. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's nicer to have something that's an umbrella that represents me and a lot of my kind of aesthetic sensibilities, but also can be an umbrella that people can come underneath and kind of, you know, make their own as well. Which is but then it doesn't have to be you, you know, like mm. it's, it's the same with, you know, taking a, taking a moniker as an artist, you know, you know, it's not, it, it has a lot of parts of you, but it doesn't have to be completely you. Exactly. And that's what I've tried to do with the arrest anyway, yeah. you know, is, is to try and crystallize, have it, yeah, an abstraction of me, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, in terms of the color scheme, that black, yellow, um, white that's really my favorite color scheme so sure. that was always going to mm. be the way it kind of you know developed and and in terms of yeah i suppose i think that's it's, it's actually a bit of a struggle coming as a as a new designer into into this world you know emerging yeah you're taking your cues from what's around you and then you know there's a bit of anxiety builds in terms of like wow i'm not at a stage where i can kind of you know put things forward that polished or i don't have a range that's deep enough to have a website that's got a lot of you know kind of stuff to see and so you end up trying to balance trying to you know make something that's like what everything that's out there Mm. and then trying to bring you into the mix and i think you know it wasn't so long ago i kind of had the realization i was like look Mm. I don't really know what I'm doing and I'm okay with that, you know, yeah. just, to, just to relax and go like, oh, we'll see what happens with this branding thing and this marketing thing mm-hmm. and just kind of... I think I was telling you about Seth Godin. I, I yeah, mentioned a couple yeah, of yeah. books, but like I, I read some of his stuff like really early on when I sort of started freelancing, but it was, yep. it was crystallizing for me because his whole thing is just just put it out there, right? Like yeah. don't stress on it, right? Every, yep. You'll do shit work, you'll do good work, but just just ship it, just get it. That's It's the hardest thing to do as a, as a creative is to... I find it so hard, yeah. Mm, I mean, you know, the amount of products that Nick's shelved just because you I think because you enjoy the process as well so it's yeah. very hard to then say well you know if I, if you enjoy the process and not so much the the rewards or the, mm. the, the commercial exactly. side or you yeah. know it's it's the fun I of just, doing yeah. I think it's just fun just making things and creating things and then after you finish yeah. you look at it it's like oh that looks great now now I'm going to move on to the next thing yeah. create something new yep so, but then yeah his mentality is you know just put it out there ship it and then yeah. then, then move mm. on to the next thing yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got to get better with that for sure. Like, mm-hmm. I'll agonise over, like, even just yeah, my just personal Instagram. Yeah, I really, yeah. you know, like, I love photography and mm-hmm. so I kind of agonise over the crop, you know, and then I've got to sit down and do, yeah. you know, 15 just, minutes yeah. of hashtag. I'm like, just, like, Ugh. the tiniest details that no one's going to notice, but you, it just, yeah. it just bugs you so much. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, for yeah sure. And, and that stuff does become kind of, 
Instagram, you know, like Instagram, it has, you know, like it's it, mm. it's a grind. Like it's 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 not it the really fun is. part of it. It really is. Yeah. If, if you want to grow something, like it's incredible amount of work. Yeah, 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 for sure. Even just the, you know, and I, I, it's interesting when it's just your thing. So you just you're putting your stuff out there in terms of your personal Instagram, mm. and you know, kind of collecting little sure. postcards from your life. But it's another thing entirely when you start thinking of personal branding. Then mm. it becomes then then it really is a grind because you have to have a kind of, you know, there's some sense of an outcome for the grind you know like okay why am i posting this or what are the hashtags i need to use and it's mm. it definitely sucks a lot of the uh the leisure no. out of you know stuff like that yeah it does but it's too powerful yeah. to ignore anyway for sure no that's right yeah. i mean and you kind of have to do it i suppose mm. we don't have to mm. interesting we were reading something about you know apple don't do any real social media they don't have they don't have an instagram account they, they what? nothing yeah. posted on their twitter account it's all right. but mm. because they the, the brand's so strong and they feel like if they if they open it up to the world ah. you know open those channels up you know yeah. apple australia it's going to sort of dilute the the strength of what their brand is so they yeah. choose to stay silent which is interesting this monolithic giant yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty Epic. much yeah well yeah. it's interesting yeah. i mean all the billboards here are done through like you know optus and telstra you don't mm. you don't ever see like you know directly from apple like yeah ads no. well that's funny i actually saw a facebook ad yeah, on TV? Oh, yeah, I saw one on TV yeah, and I same, saw one same. at a bus stop. And yeah. it was just really, it was a really it's strange jarring. experience. Yeah. I was just yeah. like, yeah. I think it's all that, that, that bad press that was surrounding, like, surrounding us. So yeah, have, they have damage to come control forward. Yeah, yeah. from the privacy yeah. stuff. Yeah, I just, but that was interesting when you realize, yeah. like, oh, wow, these guys have never tried to get to me yeah. through traditional yeah. kind of um, yeah. advertising. Yeah. Yeah. It feels yeah. jarring, I think. That, yeah. um, Slack, I don't know if you use Slack, but it's like a. Yeah, no, yeah. Sure. So, like, they ran some really cool TV ads. I can't remember the design firm that did it, but animation studio oh, I was like, the, like the lion and the, yeah, yeah. the animals R- beautifully done but you know it was on I don't know if it was on network television probably was it was on something but it's, it's yeah, a yeah. strange seeing these like web products that that you know social media products that they don't feel like they fit in that uh, yeah. commercial world mm. and what is that I mean television. I wonder if that's just is that kind of context in terms of mobile I devices so, and yeah. browsers we're so used to seeing it with all yeah. the it's like, a, it's like a separate world almost yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, just, yeah. you don't like really think of like I don't know, like Audi or something belongs in the same world as like a Slack or like a Facebook. Yeah. Kind of separate. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw yeah. Um, Shane Smith from Vice talking about like that that media world that, you know, that, that Vice is in and out. And mm. then, so they've come into, they've got their own cable TV station now, syndicated yeah. with SBS. And they, he's making all this money off syndicating with, you know, people like SBS around yeah. the world. Mm. He's saying you know, 70% of all ad spend globally is still television. Mm. You know, so that... Wow. The, yeah we're sort of like who watches television but yeah. a shitload of people still watch television that's a massive mass 70% yeah. I would have thought like that I don't know that's right no but yeah yeah, that's a, a sizable majority anyway yeah. sizable yeah that's yeah. amazing because I mean all you hear is that TV's dead you know Netflix is going to work everything it's all about kind of going onto those kind of streaming sure. platforms mm. but yeah it's uh, it's interesting yeah mm. but there's yeah god for the most part TV advertising is pretty gross isn't it it's pretty uh, it's horrible yeah just they've just loudness maximized everything yeah. it's just in your face intense mm. there's just you know you know when you've been trying to be yeah. sold something it's just, and it's I just think jarring too when you get an ad like even on um youtube it's like oh, it's yeah <laughs> skip that ad straight away yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's you feel like you've been ripped off if mm. uh, yeah. they've, they've yeah. Get rid, got rid yeah. of the skip button yeah. abused yeah. even yeah. it's interesting <laughs> that, that that whole landscape though because i prefer like you know I, one i don't you know i don't want all my data to be used against me and i don't mm. i don't like the fact that there's so much stuff out there yeah of me that can be used you know by corporate to you know dictate my life mm, essentially yeah. but i also prefer to have ads served to me that are of interest to me than that tv model of just shouting the loudest yeah yeah for sure. mm. yeah i think things are gonna get really interesting in the next five ten twenty years like it's gonna get crazy oh, yeah yeah absolutely yeah the, it was a minority report with yeah, the kind no, of you know targeted advertising yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. i would be interesting what do you guys think with because i you know i imagine that we're going to go away from a handheld device and into yeah. something like a, an optic. Yeah, we talk about it a lot, especially like voice. I heard um, Bezos uh, talking about Alexa and the, you know the amount of time they put into voice and, and seeing where mm. that's going to go. Mm. I think the screen will always be something that will be usable, but yeah. voice and opt- yeah, it's going to it's going to be crazy. Yeah. With like you know, for a most for the most part, if you it's. As an interface, it's kind of clumsy to have it in your hand, mm, you know, kind yeah. of looking down, looking up. You, yeah. you know, you know, I think just it will feel the city. like, yeah, like one one day it'll feel so stupid, like holding this 
big slate like all the time and looking yeah. at it. Yeah. To have to yeah. look down. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah. having a heads up yeah. with, a, with a contact or yeah. something that can just display. I don't know. What's the deal with Google Glass? Why didn't that just seem like it was going to happen? Mm. But just people just, just don't like wearing glasses. Kind of, I, don't, I mean, I, I don't actually haven't looked into it to an extent, but it, it, I think it just, I think the press was so bad that it just kind of, mm. and the, I think the tech wasn't there yet. So it's, I think, yeah, there's it's kind um, of a bit clunky. There's um, actually a new company called Magic Leap. I oh, yeah. think it yeah, was, it was, it was yeah. funded by um, Alibaba. I think they put like a, like almost a billion dollars or half a billion dollars into it. There's a little it. bit of controversy around that, wasn't it? Yeah, so I, I think the like the first prototype's coming out soon. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and and what it does is it actually like instead of just augmenting, you know, things into your surrounding, it yeah. actually tricks your eye into th- or tricks your brain into thinking it's real. And so so let's say I, uh, I see an object in the distance yeah. and it goes behind the chair, my my brain can't comprehend that object not going behind the chair so my brain actually uses the image of the chair to block out half of the the thing that's going behind the chair oh wow. yeah yeah it's like it kind of tricks your brain the thinking things really exist but they don't incredible so, yeah so it can yeah, actually yeah. go under and back behind objects yeah because they're like they're going to be the ar kind of leaders yeah 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 when it kind of pops because they've got so much money behind them mm-hmm. but i think there was there was some controversy there about whether they some of the videos the promos yeah, yeah, they've yeah, done yeah, were legitimate real, or yeah. Oh, yeah, really? yeah. yeah but some of the stuff looks amazing yeah they, yeah, then, yeah they've got like i don't know like the the demo they showed was like a, it was like a star wars one as well they had like a star oh, yeah. wars one and just like something coming through the wall and like the thing kind of goes under a chair and actually goes under the chair you like you see it disappear under a chair and like think, things like that yeah it's crazy Sick. I, i'm yeah. excited by the tech and I, mm. I think i think there's a way that you can live kind of like a a, a spiritual kind of earth-centered life and yeah. then still be you know tech advanced i think yeah. you, you can, like, you can you have can like you paste screens on your walls and you can have legs in both worlds i think mm. if i could mm. have you know some retina device that gives me i don't know like better sight or you know mm. i can find out quickly things about things that are around you know that, that mm. kind of yeah. next level yeah. of, has like the uh, names of everyone you know, like on top of the head and things like that yeah, yeah that's yeah. it yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that everybody's thought about what it's going to be where it's going to be going and that's how much money they have where they are on the, on your personal kind of rating out of the yeah, Chinese yeah, yeah, kind of rating, system yeah, or something yeah. like that. You have yeah. your own. Yeah, I think you guys talked about it yeah. on the podcast. Kind yeah, of rating your, nice. your your yeah. your, yeah. your co-workers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's an interesting space as well for art and design. There's mm. there's talk about people not really <clears throat> buying objects anymore, but you'll just have a sure. an AR version yeah, of virtual a virtual object. version. Yeah. So you'll you know there'll be no art on the walls mm. physically mm. in your yeah. apartment yeah. or your house, but it'll be there. Yeah. in augmented and if you're waking up first thing in the morning and putting in these contacts mm-hmm. then you know you're going to be able to actually manipulate the world mm. <clears throat> and what you could have works virtual works mm. climbing up buildings king kong could be yeah, in the city every single crazy. day you know smashing airplanes yeah. and you know some amazing you could stuff customize that to your own pre- right pre- yeah preferences mm. absolutely so you could have yeah one day where it's rampage you go into the city and there's uh you know it's, it's all yeah. happening mm-hmm. or you could you know that would actually be incredible to see what could mm-hmm. happen from yeah. that where you can immerse and you're truly immersed mm-hmm. in an yeah wow yeah, yeah. yeah and it seems like i mean you know so the the music revolution and you know now tv that things change but then people find a way to still commercialize it and you know mm. artists find a way to make money out of it you know mm. i think that because you, you can say okay well if there's no art on the walls what, what does that do to but i think yeah mm. like that like the 3d interactive experience mm. that you you know download on itunes and then you walk into the city and it's armageddon yeah oh it'd be amazing yeah. it's it's going to be incredible to see but yeah. i mean and that's the for that must be open up a whole new kind of nightmare for you guys in mm. terms of uh yeah like even now there's, well. there's like um sound sound ux design so you know, like kind of thinking about the reasoning behind um, designing like a like a Google Assistant. So like actually designing how the sound's going to work and how it responds and things like that. So that's like another branch of yeah, like design. Yeah, the UX design. And it then, must yeah, break yeah. open into a yeah, million branches yeah. when you start. Even to now, work. there's um, so, so you've got like um, copywriters. Then you've also got you've got a micro copywriters. Wow. Who write like the text that goes on buttons and UI and things ah, like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's 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 a lot of deep research into that. So um, let's say you have a button that says um, get get a quote mm-hmm. and you have another button that says or they've, they've got like an alternate version that says get the price like those those two texts can have like totally different results so like one could have double the results of that just just by tweaking one word yeah yeah, yeah that's huge mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I think like in terms of what we're doing it's, it's interesting like talking about that brand and the, and the why the, the reason why I think we spend so much time thinking about our brand and because mm. I don't who knows what's going to happen in this space so I prefer yeah. to build a business that's about us as a team and people and what we can you know how we can assist you as opposed mm. to 
we build WordPress websites or yeah. mm. we build mobile apps because I don't know if that's going to be a thing yeah. you know, in a year's time. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. Yeah, as a, I think it's worth remembering as well as a, as a collective of designers or artists or, you know, wherever you are as creatives, it's that when you go to university to study architecture or mm-hmm. whether you go for industrial design or, or any other kind of facet of design or art in general, what they're really teaching you is process. Yeah, they're teaching right. you how to take something from, from a, a concept through mm-hmm. a process of ideation through to realisation. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, depending, as long as you have, a, you have a team that's particularly good at that process of taking something from concept yeah, to realisation, right. then it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. You if you build anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. That's yeah, right. You, yeah. know, you guys would have a good go at doing some architecture if you, you know, you kind of, sure. that's, It'd be interesting to see where people with no idea about spatial design. That would be like, like a cool uh, yeah. project to do. Like get get different studios. Oh, that would be amazing. Di- yeah. Different disciplines, swapping then, businesses, to swap. <laughs> Even as, a, as an external project, yeah, you yeah, know, just yeah. to, to say, well, right, you guys design, you know, design a web experience yeah. from scratch, yeah. and then and we, we'll design a, like an a object. Yeah. yeah, that would be that yeah. would be incredible yeah, yeah. for Maybe sure. We can do a little. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah for sure. Because yeah. I'd be interested to yeah. see. Because there's a lot of you know, it's about being fluent in a kind of in a in a language and the concepts and the way of thinking. You know, often I think architecture, especially people, are so used to, you know, we're just buildings are just everywhere and they're just you know they're made for people. But mm. people don't often pay attention to say the the difference of feeling when you're standing, say under a, a bulkhead mm-hmm. and then when it opens up into a double height space. Yeah, sure. It's sure. not often that you register. Yeah. There's a, there's a real you know, there's a feeling there that you will yeah. notice perceptually, yeah. but you're often not dialed into it. And yeah. so I think it's going back to that kind of aesthetic mindfulness when when you get into that state and you mm-hmm. go, okay, like, wow, this is incredible building. Yeah, like, yeah. dial yourself back into like, what does it feel like when I walk through this doorway mm. and then go into this massive area that's opened up? There's a real sense mm-hmm. of compression and kind of yeah, release. Yeah. And, and this is the language that architects use. And that's mm, why, sure. you know, people who appreciate architects the most are generally architects. Mm. Sure. Because they understand the language and what's been done, and you know the little nuances. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, it might be the same with kind of digital design. It's I think so. Yeah, yeah, the same, yeah. 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 I talk about with tradesmen. You know, walking into a house, they're a ceiling fixer. The first thing they're doing is looking at the ceilings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, they're joinery. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah, and it's that red car syndrome, right? It's that same when we go back to brutalism. Like once, once you know about something, and you, yeah, and you're sort yeah. of aware you of appreciate it, it a lot more. So, but all, all of a sudden you start seeing it anyway, yeah. or thinking yeah. about how that could be applied yeah. to it or yeah it could even just turn you like right around you hate it and uh they you found out more about it you love it yeah yeah, yeah. well that's yeah for sure yeah at least yeah. or at least at the very least you can appreciate kind of appreciate it, it. Mm, yeah, yeah definitely appreciate yeah, yeah without a better word hmm. yeah and that, i mean that's part of the the trick as well is just kind of quietening down your original biases might you know might be that like oh, i don't really like you know kind of pink yeah and you go and see this huge piece that's just pink and straight away you've put this kind of cognitive block in terms of your experiences going like oh, yeah. i don't really like that mm. but if you actually stop and get rid of that bias and then stand in yeah. front of it you might turn out that it might turn out that pink is actually mm. in terms of you know if you look yeah. at someone like james terrell who mm. uses light and yeah, space sure. as these quasi-architectural kind of spaces so terrell's done the stuff down at mona i think yeah yeah, he's, yeah. yeah there's a piece, yeah he's, there's some of his so there, he's got the nga yeah he's got a number of cool them, yeah. so we went in there so we did this so there's three bits, three pieces. So he's got one that's outside. And I can't, ever, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but there's sort of one a huge roof, and then one little area where light shines in. Yeah, I think it'd be part of a sky space series. Sky space, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then Event Horizon, which is this completely white space internally. Mm. One wall has lights projected on it, and there's a there's a drop there. So when you're in there, you just you can't see your eyes can't see a horizon. So you yeah. just get this. You know, strange experience. Yeah, like the Matrix. Kind of. He's a oh, master right, right. of that perceptual kind of ambiguity mm. where you're yeah. like, is this kind of, where is that in mm. terms of it's where incredible. I'm... Incredible. Yeah. It's really, I, I, really worth going down there. It's, yeah, mm. yeah he's, he's a master, yeah, for yeah. sure. And that's, you know, but going back to what we're talking about, it'd be interesting to see when... I actually think that naivety is worth a lot in mm. terms of creation as well. So mm. diving into something you have absolutely no idea of mm-hmm. and applying your kind of creative process to it can come up with incredible stuff because that naivety is... That's really will lead you down paths that people would kind of look at and go like, no, there's no point going mm. down there. Sure. You know? yeah. Especially after experience teaches you kind of which ones to avoid. Yeah. And I think in that you lose a lot of opportunities as well. Mm. So, you know, when mm. you guys when you go to make an architectural space as a digital design studio, like what does that mean? Then what paths do you walk down that architects just, you know, generally wouldn't and what paths would an architect walk down or an artist in terms of going back to aesthetics and function, mm. you'd probably end up with a, that kind of misty jungle of, yeah. you know, of experience, I, 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 that I, I, soupiness that you have to work mm. your way through. But um, we generally yeah, try and do like a, a project once a year where we sort of get together as a team and do something for ourselves. But I think yeah. this year we should do something outside of our discipline. Like mm. just, Work yeah. on something completely different, you know, like yeah. a sculpture or yeah. 
Yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah. If you need any 3D printing done, you let us know. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry dude. I'm, we're going to have to wrap it up. We're, uh, we're over in Melbourne today, but we've got a couple of podcasts lined up. So For sure. If people want to find the arrest, where can they? Yeah, thearrest.com.au. Cool. So launching uh, July 27th, and that'll be you'll be able to get a look at some of the, um, the limited edition yeah. keystones. Oh, nice. So, yeah. We'll chuck some links up. For yeah. sure. Cheers, dude. No, Cheers I'm serious, hey, Nick. I, I think uh, uh, sometime this year we should actually get the whole team to do a, another creative project. Paper mache. Or just or build like a like a small hut, maybe. Or we can go into the wilderness. Yes, yes. And do a... Uh, Forage for sticks. Chris and I were talking about doing that. Uh, we should go out and do, have like a proper survivor. Three against, you know, four against four. Yeah. And <laughs> we were talking about doing that when we went camping. So, yeah. like... you you have two sticks and the first person to light fire I thought we were doing the, uh, the, the picking the mushrooms things first what and they, you know we're going out picking mushrooms yeah but that's not as uh, interesting as Survivor we can uh, compete on how many mushrooms oh no the outro is turning into a podcast again <laughs> cheers for listening guys uh, if you enjoyed that chat um, you can check out Dane um, at the arrest on Instagram yeah Keystone's a really beautiful piece of uh piece of art and, and, and functional lighting um, I think I'd really like to get one for the office we oh, might yeah. have to do that yes it's very cool um, and you can check us out on Digital Noir Presents or your favourite podcast app app yep yeah just search for Digital Noir and it'll come up Facebook chat to us Instagram we're, we're very approachable mm-hmm. you can say hello yes if you're listening out there hello <laughs> cheers guys we'll catch you next week <laughs> <laughs>